Welcome to Woodlands Church. We are so glad you're here. Turn around and greet somebody and tell them I'm glad you're here. You can be seated. You guys are too friendly. Cut it out. You know, I want to thank uh, Darnell, um, who's going to Woodland Seminary, because um, he really expressed what our seminary is all about. I'm so proud of Woodland Seminary because our goal is to raise up the next generation to change the world. And it starts in preschool, moves to children's ministry, and then it goes on to student ministry, and then college and young adult ministry. But I, I just want you to know that Woodland Seminary is doing amazing things as we're training this generation to go out and to serve others in leadership positions. And we just got started already. We have over 30 graduates who have been placed in churches serving in full-time vocational ministry and also in the business world. And so if you are a college-age student or above, we want to invite you to join us this fall semester. As Woodland Seminary is really growing, it's headed up by Shaloxel Johansson, our dean. And then I love what Pastor Mark Miller and Pastor Neil Mabry are doing because the whole goal of the seminary is not just book learning. I mean, you learn theology and all those kind of things, but the real key is you're in an internship here at Woodland Church and you learn what it means to actually be in ministry because you do ministry. And that's different from a lot of schools. I think a lot of universities are starting to catch on finally. But our whole goal is to train people to be able to serve and to be able to get a job when they finish in full-time vocational ministry and they're trained and they're ready. And it's so amazing to see how God's doing that. We got a new opportunity this fall too. Um, we are opening up night courses this fall for the first time. For anyone in our church or outside the church who wants to take the night course, it's a master class, and it will also give you a credit toward graduating from our seminary if you want to pursue that, but it's this class this fall is how to develop a biblical worldview. It'll be taught by Shalaxo Johansson, myself, and Dr. Paul Looney, how to develop a biblical worldview, and you can sign up for that on uh, the website woodlandseminary.org. You can also find more information about our seminary if you're college age and above and you want to attend Woodland Seminary and enroll in the fall semester, then you can do that, woodlandseminary.org. But we've got some seminary graduates that we're really proud of. And so Pastor Mark Miller and Pastor Neil, I want you to share with us who these graduates are. And we're going to just pray for them and celebrate. Hey, congregation, let's pray for them, for God's call and anointing on their life. I know that God has a great call and a plan for them. They're already serving, doing amazing things in the Lord's power, but let's really pray for them, for God's strength. Dear God, we come before you. We thank you for Woodland Seminary, for how you're using this school to really train the next generation to change the world. Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for all of our leaders. We thank you, Lord, for the students, we thank you especially for these graduates. We pray you'd put your hand of grace and favor and your anointing all over them, Lord, as they step out in faith to believe you and to follow you with all their hearts and to serve in vocational ministry to make a difference for your kingdom. Keep them strong in you. Continue to use the teaching and the serving that they've learned here at Woodland Church to continue their ministry in such a powerful way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give them one more 
Huge round of applause, guys. Woo. That's what we want most is that Christ would be magnified. He wants to be lifted up in your life. And the amazing thing is when you focus in on him and want him to be glorified in your life, then he ministers and meets your needs. You know, it seems like a paradox, but when I focus on myself, then I feel more empty. But when I focus on him, and that's what you're doing right now, you focus in on Christ, then your problems get real small and he begins to meet your needs. So let's focus on him over the next few minutes because he's got something really powerful to share with you. He knows right where you are. He knows everything you're going through. He knows the fight that you're facing. He knows the battle that's going on in your life and he wants to give you the power to overcome it. So let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you know everything we go through. Lord, you know the good, bad, and the ugly about every one of us, and yet you love us perfectly. And I just pray over the next few moments you would speak through your word and just change our lives. Lord, that's the whole purpose for your word. That's the reason why we focus on you and worship you, and we focus on your word is because we want you to change us so you'll be magnified in our lives. And Lord, I just know there's so many are in a fight, in a battle, and some are in a, a fight for their life, Lord. They're in the most difficult battle they've ever faced. And I pray today you'd give them encouragement and just let them know that you're right there and you're fighting for them. And you're giving them the power that they need to face every battle. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Today we're concluding the series about the spiritual battles that come into all of our lives and how God wants to give us his power for every battle. And this weekend, we're talking about the most important battle that you'll ever face, and that is the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind is the most vicious, intense, and unrelenting spiritual battle that you'll ever face. That's because your mind is your greatest asset. But we're also going to see that God has given us everything we need to win the fight. You know, I've heard the average person has about 60,000 thoughts a day. And 80% of those thoughts are negative. The self-talk inside our heads is actively working against us. It usually starts first thing in the morning when we're in front of the mirror or in the closet getting dressed. We think, I'm not right. I wish I looked different. I'm defective. This doesn't look right on me. Or what if I fail giving the presentation today? I'm sure someone else could do it better. Or we're in a social setting, meeting someone important or someone we really respect, and we say something, then the voice in our head says, that was dumb. They must think you're so stupid. You don't have what it takes. And the negative noise just keeps building through the day. God must be really disappointed with you. You messed up again. You'll never change, you're too defective, or you're unlovable. You'll never be enough. You'll never measure up. That voice in our head, instead of helping us through life, starts to derail us, defeat us, and sometimes destroy us. And most Christ followers aren't even aware that part of the battle of your mind is a spiritual battle, where our enemy Satan puts lies into our minds. 
And when we start to believe them, these myths make us miserable. Now, not all of the negative noise in our minds comes from the enemy. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy because of the wrong thinking that's taken hold in our minds. And it creates what I call negative ruts. And sometimes the enemy uses these negative patterns to create what the Bible calls strongholds. And these strongholds begin to hold us and we believe these lies and we live according to these lies rather than God's truth. And so I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And would you stand in honor of God's word? And I'm really excited about this message because this is where we all live. This is the battle that we all face each and every day. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You can be seated. This passage is saying to win the battle raging in our minds, the first thing that you must do is don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Don't accept every thought that comes into your brain because you have all kinds of weird thoughts that come into your head all throughout the day. They're dumb thoughts, they're brilliant thoughts, they're crazy thoughts, there are positive thoughts, there are negative thoughts. And so the scripture says, don't believe everything you think. Don't just accept it. Don't believe everything you think, especially because many times the enemy puts those thoughts into your mind. Some of the thoughts are placed in your head by Satan. Now, the last part of that passage that we're going to study tells us what to do with our thoughts. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean, to take captive every thought? It really means to submit every thought to Christ. And that you don't believe everything you think but yet you submit it to him and you let him evaluate it. You don't accept everything that comes into your mind, but you give it to God and let him put it under the light of his truth. And you measure that thought against the light of God's truth, that you don't believe everything you think. Now, you, you take everything Captive, the Bible says, every thought captive. So every thought that comes into your mind, you don't just accept it. You take every thought captive, but you don't condemn yourself with every thought. What do I mean by that? Well, you don't believe everything you think, but you don't beat yourself up because of a bad thought came into your mind. You have all kinds of weird thoughts that come into your mind. You can't help that. You don't beat yourself up because a gross thought came into your mind or a negative thought or strange thought. You no, know, what you do is you sort of act like a, a third person and that thought comes into your mind and go, that was a weird thought. What do you think of that, Lord? You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not true, don't worry about it. Or, or especially when you have something comes into your mind that is a negative thought about yourself or about someone else or about God. 
then you know that that's probably the enemy and you just put it in the light of God's truth and you submit it to God and you let God's truth reveal the lie. But sometimes these lies become so ingrained they become strongholds because we've been believing them for so long we don't even question them. That's why it's really important this week to start taking captive every thought. Don't condemn yourself for the thoughts that come into your mind. You can't help them. You got some weird thoughts that come into your mind. You've got some gross thoughts that come into your mind. And so don't condemn yourself for that. Don't condemn yourself for the negative thoughts that come into your mind. When you think, man, I just can't do anything right. You know, I'll never measure up. Many times it's the enemy putting those thoughts, but then give them to the Lord and let him shine some light of truth upon them so you won't believe everything that you think. And the most destructive thoughts are the lies that Satan tells us that over time we start to believe and they get really entrenched in our minds. They create what I call a rut in your brain. In John 8, 44, it says, he, Satan, has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Satan, our enemy, is a liar, and he's always telling us lies in our head. But the problem is we don't recognize that it's Satan because he tells us a lie in our own Texas accent, or our own Midwestern accent, or our own New York accent. I mean, he will put that lie in your mind and you think it's you thinking it. And you don't even recognize many times that it's from the enemy. And Satan always twists the truth. The interesting thing about his lies, he's a beautiful angel of light, the scripture says. He's not dressed up in a red suit with a long tail and horns and a pitchfork. He's a beautiful angel of light. And so he always starts with the truth, but then he twists the truth into a devastating lie. Like when you sin or struggle with sin and and you mess up, he'll say, you really messed up, didn't you? Which is true. It's good to know. But then he'll say something like, God is so tired of you. God is so upset at you because you just keep sinning and God's not gonna forgive you for this one. God is through with you. God's done with you. He can't use you. You're just too messed up. Now, the first part is true. You really messed up, didn't you? And what God wants you to do with that truth is take it to him and ask for forgiveness and receive his free forgiveness. But God doesn't stop loving you when you sin. He loves you perfectly, so he can't love you anymore any less. It's just that he really hurts him when we sin because he knows how devastating it is in our lives. But all we have to do is just come to him and admit it and restore that communion with him if you're a Christ follower. But Satan will lie to you and say, you're really messed up. You'll never get it. You'll never measure up. And when you start to believe that twisted truth, that lie that's in that truth, it's devastating. You'll start to live by it. Or he'll say, you have a lot of character flaws, don't you? And you do. I do, you do. We all do. But he'll say, so you better hide them from everyone else. You better pretend you've got it all together because if people know how messed up you are, if people know you don't have it all together, then they're gonna reject you, so you better hide it. You better cover it up. You better act like you've got it all together. And it's true that we all have character flaws and none of us have it all together, but when you begin to hide that and pretend like you do, to show everyone that 
you have this image, rather than revealing the real you, then it keeps you from really close and deep relationships. And it puts you on a really harmful path that eventually is gonna blow up. And so he'll always tell you a truth, like you will never be enough. And in a sense, that's true. Because in and of myself, I can never be enough. But here's the thing, if you're a Christ follower, you have Christ in your life, and he says, you're more than enough because of what I've done. And so you don't dwell on you'll never be enough in and of your own strength because you don't just have your own strength, you have God's strength living in you if you're a Christ follower. He'll say, you don't have what it takes, and in a sense, I don't have what it takes in and of my own strength, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what I focus on because I have Christ. And so don't believe that half truth because it's a whole lie that is devastating. And Satan is the author of lies. And one of the things he'll try to do is get you so focused on all your flaws and every defect and all your struggles and all your sins. But if you're a Christ follower, God says you are far more than your flaws. You are forgiven and chosen by me. God says, your defects don't define you. My love for you defines you. I chose you. You are my child. I adopted you into my family, and that defines you. But we get so focused on our flaws because Satan points out our flaws, and he's always pointing out our defects, and he's always accusing us. And that comes into our minds, and if you believe that, then you'll live accordingly. And then your actions will affirm the lie in your mind. You know, by the way, every defect and struggle and sin and flaw that you have in your life, God already knows about it. He knows it more than you know it. Because not only does he know about every struggle and sin and defect and flaw and weakness in your life, he also knows the cause of it. He knows everything about it and he still loves you completely. He loves you perfectly, and so you're far more than your flaws. You're a child of God. But the enemy's voice and his lies are always coming at us in our minds. But God's voice of truth is always coming into our mind as well. The problem is many times those negative voices, we allow them to drown out God's voice of truth. And the voice you believe will determine your actions. The voice you listen to the most will determine what you believe, but the voice you believe will determine your actions. Really, the voice you believe will determine your destiny. Because whatever you believe, you're gonna act like it. You may believe that you're a dog. You're not, but if you believe you're a dog, you're gonna bark, you're gonna go around barking. You will act like whatever you believe. And if you believe a lie, you'll act in that. You will act out that lie. I just can't do anything right. Then you won't do anything right and it'll affirm the lie. And so those negative voices in our mind sometimes are from the enemy, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. But either way, they're very destructive in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, as we go back to the passage, it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Focus on those two words, demolish strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? Well, it's a lie from the enemy we've been believing for a long time, 
And because we've been believing it for a long time, we don't take that thought captive and put it under the light of God's truth because we just accept it as true. We don't even question it anymore because it's been affirmed over and over because we believe the lie, we act out the lie, and then it gets affirmed in our life and we believe the lie even more and it creates these deep ruts in our brains. Actually, the synapses in your brain begin to change based on what you believe and based on what you focus on. And so it becomes a stronghold that the enemy takes a hold of and it holds you. And it keeps you from breaking free. You see, there are a lot of lies that become strongholds in our lives. There are a lot of lies that you're believing about yourself. Stories that you tell about yourself that just aren't true. There are a lot of lies that become strongholds that you're believing about others around you that just aren't true, but they become strongholds that, that you really kind of hold someone else captive with because they can't break free from what you're thinking about them. They can't break free from where you've kind of placed them in your family or in your life. There are these stories that we tell ourselves that just aren't true. Those stories that we tell ourselves about what people are thinking about us, even people in our family, even our spouse, usually aren't true. Isn't that amazing? And that's why you never assume anything with others. You always ask, you always connect, you always communicate, you always talk. You can even say, hey, the story that I'm telling myself about what you did was that you'd rather be with someone else than me. You would rather be hanging out with your friends than than going on a date with me. That's the story I'm telling myself. Is that even close? I mean, you have to constantly communicate with your spouse or you're gonna believe lies, and that's one of the things about being married for a long time. The longer you're married, the more you start to assume. Well, this is the way they thought 10 years ago. This is, so that must be the way they think, and so they become strongholds in our minds or the way we think about others, and it creates a lot of problems in relationships, and that's why we have to give room to change to others, and we always have to be asking rather than assuming we know what they're thinking, assuming we know why they did what they did. They probably don't know all the reasons why they did what they did, all their motives, and so you certainly don't, and we have to ask and not let it become a story that we tell ourselves that's a complete lie. The Bible says don't give the devil an opportunity. So we don't give the devil an opportunity in our relationships because we ask instead of assuming. Now there's so many stronghold lies that can take hold of your life, some very specific ones, but I wanna go over a couple of real general ones that most of us deal with, and that is, first, my worth is determined by how I perform. Most of us believe, at least part of this lie, that my worth is determined by how I perform. Maybe you started at a young age running on the treadmill of performance, thinking that the faster I run and the better I perform, then the greater value I have. I'm worth more. The faster I run on the treadmill of performance, maybe you had a parent that seemed to pay more attention to you and seemed to shower more love on you when you made really good grades or, or when you did really good in sports. 
And so you learned early on that if you run on that treadmill of performance and you perform and you do really good, then you're gonna get more love and more attention. And then as you became an adult, you found out that the more you run on the treadmill of success, people begin to notice it and they pay you more attention and focus and raise your value, you think. You become more valuable in their eyes. And so you think that your net worth equals your self-worth, but nothing could be further from the truth. And you think the more I run on this treadmill of performance and the faster I go, and if I go faster than others, then people will admire me and my worth will go up. And we began to believe that huge lie that the greater my performance and the faster I run on the treadmill of performance, then the greater my worth. The problem is, when you run on the treadmill of performance, it doesn't matter how fast you run, you don't get anywhere. And you always have the fear of failure because you gotta keep it going and keep it going and keep it going. Not only do you not get anywhere, but it wears you out. I mean, running on the treadmill of performance for everyone else will just steal all your joy. It will leave you feeling so empty on the inside and totally worn out looking for something that can fill the emptiness. But thinking I can't stop now because I'll lose all my value. That's why you don't tie your self-worth to a job. I mean, sure, we get some of our self-worth out of our work. We get some of our you know, well-being out of that. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to work hard. All those things, but if you tie your self-worth to your job, you lose your job, then you lose your self-worth. You lose your value. And so don't believe the devil's lie that my performance equals my self-worth, that my worth is determined by how I perform because it's just not true. It's the big lie that your worth is determined by how you perform. Well, how do you determine something's worth? This is really important. Economics 101. How do you determine something's worth? Well, you determine something's worth by how much somebody is willing to pay for it. I can say my car is worth this much because I looked at the blue book, but that doesn't really matter because my car is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. Your house is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. You may list your house, but no one's willing to pay for your house no one's willing to pay that much money for your house. Or maybe they're willing to pay more for your house. It's whatever someone is willing to pay for it. I have a friend who sold a football card for $800,000 last year. And I encouraged him to tithe on it. <laughs> but instead, he just put an old football card that was worthless in, in the offering basket. No. I mean, I th it's just a piece of paper. It's ridiculous but someone was willing to pay for it, and that means it's valuable, because how do you determine something's worth? It's whatever someone else is willing to pay for it. So how much are you worth? Well, the God of the universe was willing to pay his life to purchase your freedom and to adopt you into his family. That's how much you're worth. Your self-esteem was settled on the cross. It's not about what you can do running on the treadmill of performance. It's about what Christ already did for you. When he died and rose again and he chose you into his family, he purchased you with his death on the cross. You were bought with a price. Your self-worth was decided on the cross. And so 
that's your value. That's what the God of the universe thinks of you. That's what he paid for you. So don't tie in your worth to your performance. Now, I'm not saying don't try, don't do your best. That's a really big part of what God calls us to do is do the best with what he's given us to to really try. I'm not saying don't try anymore. I'm saying don't try out anymore to win someone's approval. Don't think that the more you perform, the better you perform, then that raises your value because it doesn't because your value cannot be raised any higher if you're a Christ follower because of what Christ has done for you. You find your worth and your value in Jesus Christ and who he says that you are. Well, there's another big lie that's really important to to deal with, and that is I must have everyone's love and approval. To feel good about myself, everyone else needs to feel good about me. It's one of Satan's biggest lies, and it becomes a stronghold, and when it becomes a stronghold, you become a people pleaser. And I have struggled with this all my life, being a people pleaser. God's given me some great victory over the last few years, but I still fall back into it and have to be really careful to take a thought and give it to Christ to make sure that he shines his light on it, that I must have everyone's love and approval, that I want them to like me. They need to like me. And I have to do that constantly. And over time, that rut in my brain has been filled in. And literally, the Bible says that you're the physiology of your brain changes when you begin to focus on the true things that if you're a Christ follower, you don't need anyone else's approval because you've already been approved by the God of the universe through what he's done for you. And so when I begin to fall back into that people-pleasing and start to believe that lie, it's very destructive because when you fall into that, I must have everyone's love and approval, then you begin putting forward an image of yourself rather than yourself. And it keeps you from really close and deep relationships. It keeps you from really being known and knowing others at the deepest level. And social media tends to make both of these stronghold lies harder to break. Because you look at social media and most people on social media, they say that, hey, I'm taking you behind the scenes of my life. I want you to see the real me the raw and the real, so I'm just gonna take you behind the scenes and I'm gonna show you how I do stuff. I'm gonna show you how I decorate my house. I'm gonna show you how I cook. I'm gonna show you what's going on in my life. But they're not showing you the behind the scenes. They're showing you the highlight reel of their day. And so you start looking at the highlight reel of their day compared to your low light and you feel terrible about yourself. That's why we should never compare ourselves with anyone else. Because when you look at social media and and you see, wow, they've got it all together. No, they don't. You just don't get to see them when they're a mess. And when everything in their life is a mess, you just get to see that good picture, that good video of when they're at their very best. You see, the problem is we compare someone else's highlight reel to our behind the scenes, and we think, wow. You know, I just don't measure up. I don't have the value that they have. And we want the approval of others, so we put out an image, a people-pleaser image on social media that people could look at, and they can go, wow, they've got it all together. But does that help anybody? Probably just makes other people feel bad. That's why we should never compare ourselves. Now, we all struggle with this at times, looking for people's approval by putting out an image rather than being real. 
you know, we wear these masks and maybe it's a, a mask of being the funniest guy in the room or maybe it's a mask of being super intelligent or, or I, they're all different kinds of masks. We pastors are the most insecure people on the face of the earth. One of the masks we always wear is the spiritual mask, you know, that we've got it all together and we know the Bible so well and, and we put on this spiritual mask and many times we're not real and I think one of the reasons pastors are so insecure is because we teach our congregations these really important biblical truths that we're struggling to follow ourselves and it creates some dissonance in our lives. Like right now, I'm telling you to believe the truth that if you're a Christ follower, you don't need anyone else's approval. You've got God's approval. And at the same time, I've got to admit, there's a little part of me that's wondering, what are you thinking about the message right now? You know, how's this message going over? I mean, it's a small part of me, but I got to admit it's there. I'm telling you, you just need to believe the truth that you don't need anyone else's approval. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. And that's mostly what I'm thinking right now and believing, but there's a small part of me that's wondering, why is that lady asleep right over there? Why does this guy right over here look angry? Like he's gonna walk up on stage and slap me. You know what I mean? After last week, I, you gotta think about it, you know? But if you do, I will slap you back, sir. I'm gonna tell you that right away. I'm not that spiritual. I'm not as spiritual as Chris Rock. I'll slap you back. A couple of weeks ago, one of our pastors did a funeral in the chapel, and all the time he was preaching and sharing, there was a woman right down front that was just giving him the finger the whole time. Isn't that crazy? I said, how did you concentrate? Did you just shoot it right back at her, or how'd you, how'd you deal with that? And he's it's like, no, I just kept preaching, you know, because I realized she probably needed it worse than anyone, but she held that hand up the whole time. I said, well, she's probably telling you you're number one. And she was so appreciative of what you were doing. No, she probably had mental illness, you know, and so it's like, who cares? You know, what, what she's thinking right now, pray for her because definitely there's some problems going on. You see, I believe that truth with all my heart that I don't need anyone else's approval, that I can be my true self who God wants me to be. And some people are gonna like it, some people are gonna hate it, some people are gonna accept me, some people are gonna reject me because you can't please everyone. I really believe that, and I live that more and more, but yet there's still part of me that's like, I wonder what they're thinking. There's still part of me that's like, hey, how, how many views did I get? How many likes did I get? But God says, if you're a Christ follower, you don't need anyone else's approval. You've already been approved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can live from your true self. You will be rejected, Jesus was. You will be accepted. Jesus is, and he's still rejected at times. But you can live from your true self because you're already approved. So don't believe everything you think. But secondly, choose to believe what God says. Don't believe everything you think, but then you switch and you choose to believe what God says. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we tear down the lies that go against God's truth. 
And in John 8, 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's how you break the strongholds in God's power with God's truth. So I want us to look at who God says I am. Let's do a little study and I hope that you will take this this week, download it from the app, and I hope that you will look up these verses, these passages, and start putting them into your life. Here's who God says you are if you're a Christ follower. I am his masterpiece. So when I feel ugly, I choose to believe the truth that I am his masterpiece. I'm created by him. I'm beautifully created. I was knit together in my mother's womb by the God of the universe. I am chosen. That's who you are. If you're a believer, you're chosen by God. When I feel rejected by others, I just choose to believe the truth that I am chosen by God and that's all that matters. I am righteous and forgiven. So when I feel gross and sinful and filthy, I just choose to believe the truth that I am righteous and forgiven in Jesus Christ. I am completely loved. So when I feel unlovable, I choose to believe the truth that I'm completely loved by God. I am strong and courageous. So when I feel weak and afraid, I choose to believe the truth that I am strong and courageous because of God's power within me. I am more than a conqueror. So when I feel like a failure, I just choose to believe the truth that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The key, though, is knowing the truth and then choosing to believe it whether you feel like it or not. And that begins to tear down the stronghold lies that have been set up in your mind. When you start knowing the truth, but you gotta choose to believe it whether you feel like it or not because it's the truth. God's truth is the truth. And when you start believing God's voice, you start living it out and it affirms the truth in your life. I want you to listen to the words in this next song because it really talks about who God says that I am, but then there's a part at the end that says, and I believe, and I believe, and I believe. We gotta choose to believe it. Just listen to the words of this song and I think it'll really speak to your heart. Did you get that? I believe, we have to choose to believe it. You can be seated. I just wanna briefly share with you how we can tear down these strongholds this week. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so the renewing of your mind is so important. Even the brain science that's all new coming out tells us that our brains can change. The physiology of our brains will actually change when you begin to believe the truth. Whatever you focus on begins to change the brain and these ruts in the brain can be filled in and you can develop new pathways that change your life if you let God renew your mind and tear down these stronghold lies. So how do I do that? Read God's word. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's God's word, and so read God's word. Get to know God's word. Spend a little time every day reading God's word, and here's the assignment this week. Download the message from the app, and where it says, who God says I am, look up those verses and read them. And then secondly, meditate on God's word. In Psalm 1, 2, it says, blessed is the one whose delight is the law of the Lord. 
and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So what is meditating on God's word? Take those scriptures that you're reading about and writing down what you're learning and then meditate on them. That is, say them over and over to yourself. Think about them. Talk to God about them. Think about who you are in Christ and who God is. Memorize them if you can. And put the truth into your life. It'll start changing your brain. Literally changing your brain and tearing down strongholds when you meditate on the truth. So meditate on who you are. And then what happens is when a lie comes into your mind, you'll recognize it. You'll wait a minute. I I feel totally unlovable, but I choose to believe I am totally loved by God. And it starts changing your brain. And when you change the way you think, you change the way you act. Because whatever voice you believe, that's how you'll act. It determines your actions. And then confess the truth. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we do that, take it captive, and then we confess the truth and speak it. You know, speak the truth. That's really important. Think the truth, speak the truth, and it begins to change your brain. When you begin to speak the truth, there's something powerful about the spoken word. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, by faith we understand that the universe has been created by word from God so that the visible came into existence from the invisible. So God spoke the universe into existence, and God spoke, and in a millisecond, this powerful explosion of light created almost all the matter in the universe instantly because of God's word, because God spoke, and he's given us authority to speak, and our words are really powerful. And so, Speak the truth, confess the truth. And one of the things you might wanna do is write down the truth, some affirmations. Speak affirmations, write down affirmations that agree with God's word. Like, I'll write down, I don't care about the approval of anyone else. I live every day for an audience of one. I just wanna please Jesus. I'm not worried about what anyone else thinks about me. Now, is that totally true? No, it's not totally true, but it's true because that's who I am in my true self. Is it the way I'm living? Not always. But the more I affirm the truth, then the more it changes my mind to believe the truth and act on the truth. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're struggling with, start affirming the truth about yourself. You say, well, it just doesn't feel real. Well, you know what you're struggling with and you don't have it all together, but as you say the truth of God's word, you start living more from your true self rather than from your flesh. And speak it. And by the way, sing it. And we're gonna do that in a moment. But I want us to bow our heads right now. Lord Jesus, I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you in your name, Jesus Christ, would tear down strongholds. These lies that have created ruts in our brain that have, Lord, done so much damage to our lives and relationships. Just rip down in your name, Jesus, these strongholds. And I pray that this week, when those lies come into our head, that we would just submit them to you and take them captive and let you shine your light of truth on them so that we wouldn't just accept them, that we wouldn't just believe everything we think, but Lord, we would believe the truth of who you say we are. Lord, help us study your word, meditate on your word, and confess the truth. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do something so powerful and so life-changing as you're tearing down these strongholds and you're building something new and you're renewing our minds, Lord. For all of us who are believers, Lord, you've already changed our hearts and our true self, so help us live from our true self. But Lord, we need our minds renewed. Give us, Lord Jesus, the wisdom and the strength to really get serious about renewing our minds for your glory. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, that they would just confess it and receive you right now. Because you say, Lord, if we confess with our mouth and believe that you raised Jesus from the dead, then we have eternal life. And so, so congregation, I want you right now, everyone, to repeat this prayer after me. Even if you're a believer already, do this so that someone who's not will feel more comfortable and just pray this sinner's prayer after me. And if you don't know Jesus, you pray this prayer and you surrender your life to him and receive his free gift of forgiveness and you'll never be the same. We wanna confess it with our mouth, so just repeat these words after me and mean it in your heart. Let's all do this. Jesus Christ, I need you. So I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I receive your free gift of salvation. I accept your free gift of heaven. I can never earn it or deserve it, but I receive you. Be the Lord of my life from now on. Help me grow in my faith. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, he's in your life and he'll never leave you or forsake you. Now you just wanna renew your mind. He changed your heart. We wanna know about it. If you're online, just click, raise my hand. And that shows that you've received Jesus. Would you, if you're at one of our campuses, tell someone on your way out, one of our pastors. We wanna help you grow in your faith. And I'm telling you, we're in the most exciting time at Woodland Church. It's just two weeks until Easter Sunday. And it's gonna be amazing. We've got all these different service times at both of our campuses, our online campus, and so this is gonna be so creative and so powerful. It's all about coming alive. Those things that were dead in our lives, God wants to bring them to life. And springtime is here. The time of singing has come. God has something new and powerful for you. Invite a friend to Easter. You've been given those little cards. Give one of those to a friend. And then we need you to serve this Easter. So connect with us online wc.org slash serve and connect. We want every one of you to serve at one of the services and then go to a service. It's gonna be amazing. Let's stand together because as we confess with our mouth and as we affirm God's truth, we wanna sing the truth. So let's do that right now. Maybe you feel like you'll never be enough. Maybe you feel like you don't have what it takes. But I want you to know if you're a believer, you're more than enough because he is more than enough and he has made you more than enough, and he thinks you're worth dying for. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and he has made you more than enough. You have what it takes, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's believe the truth. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what he can do through you with his power because you are more than enough because he is more than enough. He is Jehovah Jireh, and he wants to provide you everything you need and he's already given it to you. Let's claim it. Do you believe that, Woodland Church? Let's sing the truth right now. 
Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.